Hi guys, hope everyone's well and welcome back to the Improvement Podcast. So in this episode, I'm going to touch on what I have learned in 2022. First of all, quick update on myself as I usually do. So it's currently the 5th, Thursday the 5th of January. And I've had a really good week of training so far uh, with just hack squat and five plates yesterday, which I was happy with. So strength is getting there. And uh, overall, I'm in a really good groove of training and it's really enjoyable at the moment. This is a uh, part of training I enjoy when things are all feeling good you're feeling strong and powerful going into the gym you're consistently having good sessions so yeah training's in a really good spot as a result so is my mood and uh, everything's all good outside training clients are doing well which I'm happy to see and uh, they're all I think benefited from a bit of a mental break over the Christmas period and all of them handled it pretty well to be honest Uh, so yeah everything's in a good spot both inside outside the gym and uh, yeah, just cracking on sort of thing and excited to make plenty of progress in terms of business, uh, coaching and uh, also like my personal progress and just with the podcast, uh, it's something I really enjoy doing. So yeah, I'm looking forward to expanding it even further. And in terms of the episode, what I've learned in 2022, I just thought it would be a good thing to kind of make and kind of recap what I've learned and improved upon this year. Uh, so that I can not just brag, oh, I've done this, I've learned this, but just more so, so I can give you the information and give you the the knowledge of like what potentially you could do and what potentially you may not know at the moment that might like help you in the future, if that makes sense. Uh, so in terms of the first thing I'm going to touch on is you have more to lose than you think. So if you're currently dieting, uh, overestimate what you need to lose in terms of the amount of body fat because you most likely underestimate how much you have to lose so I've experienced this myself during my contest prep I just done and also like with clients and just hearing like individuals and what they believe they need to lose sort of thing like you're probably have like more body weight to get off than you think so if you are setting yourself up for a dieting phase make sure you're giving yourself enough time Make sure you're like going on the safe side in terms of how much you think you need to lose. So if you need, so if you think you need to lose, let's say a stone until you're lean, make it a stone and a half. Uh, or if you think you need to lose a stone and a half, make it two. But just give yourself more time than you think, and overestimate how much you think you need to lose because you'll most likely have to lose more than you currently believe. And like I said, this is something I experienced during prep. Uh, you think right you're getting there when just more body fat comes off and comes off and you need to keep digging and digging. And this uh, can obviously influence the preferred starting point because if, let's say, you think you're leaner than you are, that means you're going to have to diet more off uh, and then that's just going to lead to uh, potentially more performance loss and uh, more fatigue throughout the whole diet, which can impact the end product and overall just make it a harder experience. And I paid an arse, to be honest, so... If you're not wanting to diet for an extended period, maybe potentially uh, be on the safe side in terms of how much you need to lose. And start off aggressive as well because you can be aggressive at the start of a dieting phase and you don't really have any performance loss because, yes, you're in a calorie deficit, but you've got so much energy availability from having stored body fat and you're also really stable still and have the ability to still create a lot of stability from just having more body fat on your frame so you're not really going to lose much performance from it and if anything you should still gain performance at the start of a dieting phase 
And in terms of the next point I want to touch on, you probably have to eat less than you want to. So most people, when they start dieting, they, they don't expect to need to, let's say, drop much calories. But sometimes you need to drop more food than you think. You need to drop your food pretty low. I, I calculated the other day how much or how low my food actually got during prep and it was 1,700 calories. And uh, that's not a lot at all considering my food got up to 4,300 calories in the in the gaining phase or in the off-season, whatever you want to refer to it as. Uh, so that's a lot. So be prepared to maybe push harder than you want to and uh, that will be a bit of a graft and be, be willing to do it and be disciplined to do it. And uh, be aware that you need to take the weight off if you put it on. So if you're bulking, bear that in mind. You might, and you obviously, you might not have to get your calories as low as that. You might not have to do as much expenditure as I did because obviously I competed on a bodybuilding show. It's, it's kind of on the more extreme end. But I think it is just a good principle to bear in mind and stick by. So be prepared. You may have to push harder than you think you will if you're going to gain it. Uh, then you also have to lose it again. So what goes on must go off, if that makes sense. <clears throat> and something else I have also learned is weak body parts are revealed when you're lean. So when you are bulking, it's kind of hard to tell what body parts are strong, what body parts aren't as strong. And unless you strip the fat off, you truly will not know. Uh, for myself, for example, and if I'm looking at my physique as a whole, I believe when I've got higher body fat, my back just looks pretty horrendous, to be honest. My arms look all right. Uh, same with my, my chest. Uh, my legs still look pretty decent, but my back just looks pretty terrible because as soon as I gain some body fat on my lower back and just my back as a whole, it just loses its shape and it just looks pretty poor, to be honest. Uh, and I think... With my physique as a whole, my back's not a strong point for sure, but it's definitely not as weak as it looks when I've got a higher level of body fat. So bear that in mind. So sometimes it's a good idea to, if you're dieting, uh, maybe getting relatively lean so you can truly assess what body parts are stronger than others. Uh, and don't, you, you'll, yeah, like I said, you'll never truly know. And the reason why is like body fat gives you an illusion. So when you have more body fat, your waist isn't as small which means you don't look as wide up the top uh, and you can't see some detail like your lats and your upper back. So you can't, you can't tell to the same effect how big your lats are, uh, how they look when you've got no body fat on them. Same applies with your legs. Your legs often look bigger when you're leaner. And the reason being is when we carry body fat around our joints, like the knee joint and uh, our ankles, our hips, we don't have much more. We don't have a sweep. We don't have a drastic change between how wide or let's say quads are in the middle of our like thigh or femur, with whatever you want to call it, your quads, you can't quite see how wide they are. And you don't have much of a taper where your knee is, if that makes sense. You don't have that illusion of your knee being like the overall width of your leg tapering in where your knee joint is because you want more body fat, if that makes sense. So it's harder to tell. So yeah, if you're wanting to truly assess what body parts are weaker, what body parts are strong, uh, make sure you maybe spend time dieting down so you can actually assess it. It can be valuable to do at the start of a gaining phase. That's something I do with my clients, actually. Like if I 
I've took a client on. They are kind of in the middle ground where they could diet, they could bulk, uh, and they're not. Sh- and maybe I'm in two minds in terms of what phase they should have gone first. Sometimes being in a dieting phase is a good idea, so you can reveal what body parts are weaker, and also so you can then have a good runway to push your body weight up for extended period of time. The next thing I learned is how long it can take to gain strength back. So this applies to me both to me post prep. So when you get really, really lean, you're not in the good spot to perform. You've not got a lot of ability to create stability in the gym. So what I mean by stability is think about when you're lifting dumbbells, you're unstable. The dumbbells wobble about, especially if you aren't used to lifting them. And uh, like the less body fat you have, the leaner you are, the harder it is to create stability due to not having much body fat around your joints, your upper back to create that stability. Uh, which is why it's harder to maintain your strength on free weight movements and movements where you're not supported or in a in a stable position like a machine when you're dieting. So as well as that, when you diet and let's say get in contest condition, your health's not in a good spot. Your testosterone is pretty low and uh, you're in a fatigued state from dieting for so long, like 30 weeks of dieting, doing a lot of steps on a daily basis every single day throughout that, throughout over half a year really. Uh, it gets the better of you if that makes sense it has a toll and effect on you and yeah for the most part like I said with having less stability it means your performance can drop as well because weight moves weight to an extent when you are heavier we've got a better ability to move weight which is why there's like classes in powerlifting which is why in sport as well you're not just up against someone who's double your body weight you have weight classes and uh, with gaining strength back, it can take time. For example, uh, for getting some movements, like I'm not going to, just because I'm having more calories and I'm now in a surplus, I'm not going to be at peak strength on, let's say, an RDL. Like I'm not going to be as strong as I was at 190 pounds at 170, although I'm in a surplus. And it's important to be patient during this period because if you try and force progressions when they're not there, you can run into issues. You can basically just like let your form slip which is going to mean a poorer stimulus on the target muscle it's going to also increase the amount of injury risk you can also experience and obviously we don't want to get injured especially if let's say i'm moving out of a dieting phase going into a gaining phase the last thing i want is to run into any injuries as well and in terms of what else i've learned throughout this year uh, just a bit more on back training, really. So back training is something I think oh, I have a lot of focus on because it is something that is not super strong for myself. So before this year, I believe I did I have the awareness that if we want to, let's say, target our lats, we want to keep our el- elbow tucked into our side. We want to focus on driving our elbow towards our hip. We don't want our elbow flared out when we're doing rows or pull downs. Uh, but I've learned some more on top of that in terms of, let's say, targeting our lats. So when we want to target our lats in order so we can stretch our lat, we want to ideally have our core tight, like we're doing a plank and not arch our upper back or, yeah, or arch our spine. Because when we're arched, we are not in a good position to use our lats. We've got a poor leverage for our lat and we're more likely to use our upper back in that position. Whereas when your core is tight, let's say during pullovers, during pull downs and rows, we're going to be able to uh, target and get a better stretch on our lats and be in a better position to use them mechanically, if that makes sense. 
I've also learned that uh, when we are training our upper back, that in order to, let's say, get a great stretch on our upper back, we want to have as much protraction, retraction of our scapula as possible because your upper back joins onto your scapula and your scapula is basically your shoulder blade. So we want our shoulders to move a lot when we're doing upper back movements. And this can be done by basically breathing in at the bottom of the movement. And when we breathe in, we expand the rib cage, which basically means our rib cage gets bigger because we've got air in there. And as a result, if we can expand the rib cage when we're let's say doing chest supported movements, breathing in at the bottom, in other words, we can allow us to get a greater stretch on our upper back. And also just focus on letting like the machine pull you forward to an extent so you can bring your shoulders as far forward as you can. And then from there, focus on driving your elbows back and trying to get your shoulder blades like far back, if that makes sense. And that will allow you to get as much range of motion from the upper back as you can. And uh, also during lat pull downs, uh, when we're trying to target our lats, something else I've learned is when we are trying to target our lats, they are mechanically inefficient in the overhead position, which means we're not in a good position to use our lat when our arms directly over our head. So when it gets like when you, if you've ever seen someone do like a pull down on a bench, a single arm pull down, the reason why that's beneficial is because due to the pull down being in front of us and not directly overhead, we can still keep the load on our lats. Whereas when let's say, let's say you're doing a pull down and you just let your arm go directly straight up over your head. In this position, what's going to be doing the work is more of your teres major, which is a muscle at the top of your lat. Your upper back, your rear delts are going to do more of the work. And you're going to get a lot of movement of the shoulder or the scapula, which is your shoulder blade. And your lat's not responsible for movement of the scapula or the shoulder blade. What's responsible for that is your upper back. So that's why we don't want to ideally use like a or have a, a lot of excessive movement of our shoulder blade when trying to target the lats. But we don't want to pin them back because that's not putting us in a good position to use some either. Uh, so we just want to basically just focus on what the elbow's doing and not really focus on pinning our shoulder back or that. We just want it to move somewhat freely. And uh, I think that's it from off the top of my head, what I believe I've learned this year. Obviously, like there's a lot more in terms of like how, how the body functions, how muscles act etc uh, but that's for the most part some big fundamentals that i've learned that has helped me a lot and uh yeah i'm looking forward to having another productive year of hopefully learning a lot more and educating yourselves throughout the podcast as well as obviously my clients so yeah thank you very much for listening if you did enjoy the podcast feel free to share it on your story i'd greatly appreciate that as well as leaving a like rating review subscribing depending on what you're listening to it on and if anyone has any specific topics they'd like covered or episodes they'd want to see, then please let me know. But I hope everyone has a great day, morning, evening, weekend, whenever you're watching this or listening to this. And uh, thanks again.